You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. Lord, they wronged me. They intended evil against me. They want to take me out. But here's the deal. I said, but what they did to me cannot even begin to compare what my sin has done to you. My sin to you is a trillion dollar debt. What they did to me is million, hundred thousand, somewhere in there. But comparatively, no. What they did to me, I said, Lord, I can forgive them because you forgave me far worse. Have you ever contemplated the impact of moving on from your past? Have you ever fully embraced God's perfect grace? When you surrender to His boundless grace, do you feel the change in your life? In today's message, Pastor Jeff emphasizes that through the perfect grace of God, you can experience fresh renewal that enables you to move beyond your past. Allow God's grace to work within you, to bloom into the person you were always meant to be. Let God's love shine through to the world. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3 as he continues his message, your submission. Jesus said, let your good works so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So there's something about when a woman walks with God in front of a man who's not anywhere spiritually where he ought to be. This is what he's counseling. Peter says it's, it's, it, you can reach him without a word. The weapon that works is a double-edged sword of chaste conduct coupled with the fear of God. For the unsaved husband, the best advertisement for the truth and wonder of Christianity is a wife who daily models the Christ life. According to Peter, that's one way to get a new husband. Now, again, I got to talk real because I've been around too long. I know that sometimes when you act like Christ, you go to church and you put on Jesus that man can persecute you, needle you for it, make fun of you for it, and make life difficult for you. I'm not living in a bubble here. I've just got to teach what Scripture is saying, that your first default uh, uh, method of reaching him is this one. And just see how it goes. See what God does. For the unsaved husband... There's something about a godly wife that begins to talk to him, especially if she's not preaching, nagging, or complaining. Now, I'm just reading the word here. Don't get mad at me. I'm just reading the word. Now, Peter's not done with the women, but I'm going to get to the men, so hang on. But next, he's going to deal with how she dresses. Now, hang on. I am not like you might be thinking I am. Because look what he says. Don't let your adornment be merely outward. Arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel, shopping at needless markup, I mean Neiman Marcus. <laughs> Rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty. Notice how he describes a woman of God. The incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Now, these passages, passages have been taken way out of context, way out of context, where poor women in certain denominations are told, you can't wear pants, you can't wear makeup, 
you, you shouldn't have jewelry on. I remember one time I was at a conference. I'm going to be real honest with you tonight. I was at a conference, and I got seated at this long table, and right across from me was a row of these women who were in this kind of church. They had on no makeup, dresses, hair in, in a bun. I'm not saying nothing wrong with the hair in a bun, but they all had their hair in a bun. And they looked so miserable. And they're staring at me. <laughs> they're in dresses. So no jewelry, no makeup, hair in a bun. They have been told, they have had this verse twisted to them where if you're godly, this is the way you will look. And you won't wear that jewelry or, or those pants or any of that other stuff. But they were looking at me like I was, I don't know what I did or didn't do, but they didn't like, I don't know that they liked any men. But they're looking at me this way. And I thought one thing to myself, I'll bet they're fun at home too. Because they weren't allowed to be feminine. I, I don't know about you. Guys, I love being a man. Come on, man. I love, who, 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 I love it. I love being a man. I, I totally embrace my gender. Amen. And women, how many of you can say, I love being a woman? Come on. Then you ought to be willing and able to be feminine. That, that's not what he's teaching at all. The word merely changes all that. He said, not merely with jewelry and fancy clothes. Not merely, not ever, but not merely, not only. Don't let your adornment be merely outward. Not just your appearance, but who you are on the inside. Because there's, there's women with a million dollar smile, but a 50 cent character. And so with the men. They, they can charm you and wow you, but and million-dollar smile, but there's 50 cents worth of character. Peter is saying God puts the premium on character, godly character. Gentle and quiet spirit is from the Greek words, meaning divinely inspired inner calmness. Amen. Divinely inspired inner calmness. This woman has peace with God. Her worries and cares have been cast upon the Lord. She's at peace. She brings tranquility into the room. She has a gentle and a quiet spirit. Peter is saying clothes and jewelry can be bought, but divinely inspired inner calmness and tranquility are priceless. Now, Peter says, let me point to the, some of the holy women of old. In this manner in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed her husband, Abraham. She respected him. Uh, now, some of you men, you love the King James Version because it says she called him Lord. <laughs> but I hate to pop your bubble. What that really means is she respected him as the head of the house. Okay? So you guys, don't ask your wife to call you Lord. Even if I heard that, I would pull you aside and have a talk with you. Right? <laughs> Some of you men, you're not coming back. I'm, I'm blowing your cover tonight. But that's the deal. She respected him as the head of the house. 
And you are her children, ladies, if you do what is right and you don't walk around in fear. In other words, you're not afraid to submit because you know that as you submit and respect him as the head of the house and, and leave the leadership to him, not that you don't agree about certain things, you do. But he still got that position as head of the house. Now, if you respect that and submit to that without being afraid, then you're a daughter of Sarah. Amen, Pastor Jeff, glory to God. In verse five, he speaks generally without naming anyone, but he names Sarah in verse six. Peter says that Christian women have a spiritual inheritance in Sarah. You hear that, Christian ladies? You have a spiritual inheritance in Sarah. Okay? He was the father of our faith. She's the mother. Wasn't always easy. She followed him to Egypt, and when he lied, she just kept her mouth shut. He lied about who she was. He said, look, I'm going to tell him, you're a very pretty woman. I, I, I'm not going to get beat up and maybe killed because they want you. So you tell them I'm your, that you're my half-sister. Not that you're my wife. And when they came to get her, she didn't say one word. She trusted God. She was carried into a wicked king's household. And God plagued that household with sickness and death and trouble. And God spoke to that king and said, you better get rid of this woman. She is the wife of a prophet. And he looked, took one look at her, told them to get her and took her right back to Abraham and said, why'd you lie to me? <laughs> now there sits Sarah. She never had to say one word. She's got the grin of a Cheshire cat because he's busted now. <laughs> but, but it all happened as she stayed trusting in God in the place of submission. Oh, I'll bet she had a great big, I told you so. <laughs> now, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid. Sarah had no fear in her submission. She trusted God. Now, Peter turns to the men. Now, all the women say amen. amen. Now, husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Ooh, now he's messing with me because my prayers being answered are hinging upon how I treat my wife. Now, the word vessel, when it says the weaker vessel, points to her body. Peter is simply stating the husband is to be gentle, kind, and considerate of her weaker frame. See, he doesn't have political correctness or wokeness. See, he's not saying women are right there. That's why this thing, this thing of women competing, men competing in women's sports, this is insane. This is denying biology. Because right here, Peter is saying, men, by and large, as a rule, are stronger. And so, and yet, today, we're so confused, so messed up, so crazy, so twisted in the way we think, that we allow men to compete in women's sports and steal all of the 
awards. I'd pull my daughter out of that so quick and get her into a school where it was sane. I would never let my daughter go up against that. That's insane. The feminists can go on all day about women being equal to men. Physically, that's just not true. On the whole, men are stronger by nature, and they're exhorted not to lord that over the women. When the three angels visited his tent, Abraham told Sarah, quickly, get ready three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes. Uh, But then look at what Abraham did in cooperation. Abraham didn't say to Sarah, woman, run to the herd and get, get the cow. No, it says, Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man and hastened to prepare it. He did the heavy lifting. Okay, got the calf, prepared the calf, set the table. To top it off, his name for Sarah was Princess. That's what her name means. Princess, I'm gonna go get the calf. I'm gonna do the heavy lifting. All you gotta do is prepare it. Now, what he's noticing is he's recognizing she's not as strong. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean she's less intelligent, less gifted, less capable, less talented, none of that. He's not saying any of that. He's just saying she's not as strong. So in picking things up around the house, doing difficult manual labor, uh, the man should be considerate of her limitations. Step up to help because Peter says, you are heirs together of the grace of life. Here's the incentive. If you need to know that if you don't do that, you can risk your prayers being answered. Hindered, that's an interesting word. Hindered is from a Greek word used to describe hindering someone by breaking up the road they're traveling on, okay? It's used to describe somebody who's detained unnecessarily. I don't wanna be detained in my prayers. Are you with me, everybody? I don't wanna be detained, okay? Um, Paul uses this word to explain to the Romans why he had not yet visited them. He said, Satan has hindered me. Same Greek word. I've been hindered. There's, there's junk in the road. I can't get around it or through it. And that's the way your prayers are when it's not right at home. Men. Now next, Peter turns from marital relations to church relations. We're coming to the close. Everybody say amen. Amen. We're doing great on time too. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous. He's talking about church life now. In the church house, I want you to love as brothers. I want you to be tenderhearted. I want you to be courteous. I want you to be forgiving. I don't want you to hold grudges. I don't want you to uh, cart offenses around and and hang on to offenses. I want you to to be Christ-like in the house of God. One mind, compassionate. These are relational words. Loving, tenderhearted, courteous. These are the glue that keeps a fellowship together. We don't divide over the color of the carpet. We don't divide over the new chairs, whether you like them or not. You you don't let the devil split you apart as a church house, a church body over stupid trivialities. 
He, he deals with offenses. He said, listen, don't return evil for evil. Reviling for reviling. On the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Now, please catch that, everybody. I've read this over and over again through the years, not returning evil for evil, not an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth in the house of God. He said, or reviling. That, that means they, somebody criticizes you really harshly. You don't do it in return. But instead you bless. Isn't that, this not what Jesus said? Bless those that curse you. Do good to those that hate you. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Because if you love only those who love you, what have you done that the world doesn't do? So he says, first, the law of retaliation. Don't do it. Don't take vengeance. Paul said in Romans, don't avenge yourselves. Give place to wrath, for it is written. Please catch this. This is so powerful. Let me just quickly draw a little picture. Give place to wrath. Place there is topos. It's the Greek word topos. Topography, land. What God is saying here is when somebody wrongs you, don't retaliate in kind. I want you to say something with me. I don't have to respond in kind. Because as soon as you respond in kind, you're just like them. So don't respond in kind. Okay? So if somebody treats you bad, you don't have to respond in, in bad treating them back. Don't respond in kind. You don't have to. That's a liberating thought. I don't have to. If you're being a jerk, I don't have to be a jerk back. If you're being critical, I don't have to be critical back. If you're being mean, I don't have to be mean back. No. Nobody can make me be anything I don't let myself be. So what Paul is saying is, instead of responding in kind, don't give or give place to wrath, get out of the way and let God deal with it. Get out of the way. Give place, give land, give opportunity, give place to God to deal with it and deal with them. You say, well, I gave him two days and not one thing happened. So I took it into my own hands. Sometimes, you may wait years. The thing is, you got to forgive and move on with life. But you don't have to respond in kind. You don't have to respond in kind. Get out of the way. God, but as long as you're standing there taking vengeance, God's hands are tied. Because you got to get out of the way. So how do you get out of the way? Lord, I just give to you what they just did. I give to you what they did. What they said. You saw it, you heard it, you know it. So I forgive and I'm moving on with life. I've seen God deal with people that I really felt wronged me um, quickly and I've seen it take years. But sooner or later, 
the chicken comes home to roost. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, it's not saying you shouldn't respond to a terrible accusation. If somebody accuses you of something really terrible and it's completely false, Matthew 18, 15, go to him. If your brother offends you, go to him between you and him alone and tell him his fault. If he hears you, you gained your brother. He's not telling you to just sit there and take abuse all day long if, it, if it's something that you really do need to clarify or clear up because people are starting to believe something utterly false. It's saying don't be vindictive, don't be vengeful, spiteful, living by the eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth and all of that. Then the principle of realization, knowing that you were called to this, knowing you were called to this, to not respond in kind. You were called to this. Called to what? Called to bless those that curse you. Called to live like Jesus did. There was a group of people long, long time ago, really, really, um, sought to destroy me and um, said scurrilous things and it, it was just awful. Uh, it, it just buried me for a while. And yet I knew the call of God was on my life. And I knew that if I didn't forgive them, I could not move on. Because I wanted to pray an imprecatory prayer. You know what that is? Lord, break their teeth out. I read that today. David prayed that. Let their teeth be broken out. David prayed that. Okay? That's an imprecatory prayer. Guess what? Praying that kind of prayer went away with the advent of the new covenant. But here's the deal. I had to forgive. And I had to do it repeatedly. And the only way I got out of it was this. Lord, they wronged me. They intended evil against me. They want to take me out. But here's the deal. I said, but what they did to me cannot even begin to compare what my sin has done to you. Amen. My sin to you is a trillion dollar debt. What they did to me is million, hundred thousand, somewhere in there. But comparatively, no. What they did to me, I said, Lord, I can forgive them because you forgave me Amen. far worse, Amen. right? And so, and to this day, I pray through the Lord's Prayer just about every day. And when it comes to the part of uh, forgive me my sins as I forgive those that have sinned against me, I forgive them again. Because I don't want to let one scintilla of that bitterness gut rot get into my spirit. So you got the law of retaliation, don't retaliate. Realization, you got to remember what God's called you to. And last, the law of remuneration, that you may inherit a blessing. You want to inherit a blessing? Amen. Don't respond in kind. Pray for them, all right? If you want to inherit a blessing. So let's read together the last three verses, 10 through 12. We'll put them right up there. Let's read it together. For he who would love life, is that you? Yes. And see good days, is that what you want? Yes. Come on, everybody. Then, then what do you do? Let him, read it with me, refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. 
today's message from Pastor Jeff, he showed you the power of God's authority as a means of fostering growth in your faith. When you willingly surrender to God's guidance, powerful things happen in your life. Discover the depths of spiritual growth that comes with trusting in God's authority and submitting to His wisdom. Wade through the treacherous waters of this world with a humble heart and witness the remarkable changes that transpire. If you're interested in learning about Hardwired, Diane has some things to share. Are you interested in partnering with us here at Hardwired? We'd love for you to come alongside us in supporting this ministry. All you have to do is go to our website and find the Donate tab. It's that easy. That website again is hardwired.org. Thanks so much for prayerfully considering this today, and thanks for listening to this radio ministry. Daniel has more to tell you about what's ahead on the upcoming edition of Hardwired. In his next message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that you need to allow God's rules to shape and guide your life. If you want to be the person you're striving to be, you need to immerse yourself in God's Word. Live your life in harmony with His plan and discover just how much you can mature in your faith. It's not enough to be a good person and then cheat on the rules that you want to break. Remain committed to God's morals and be forever changed. There's more Pastor Jeff has to share from the book of 1 Peter, so be sure to join us again. And if you missed any part of today's teaching, you can find it online at hardwired.org. We're so glad we could be part of your day today, and we pray you've been blessed by today's edition of Hardwired.